Welcome to the Optimal Body Podcast. I'm Doc Jen. And I'm Dr. Dom. And we are doctors of physical therapy, bringing you the body tips and PT pearls to help you begin to understand your body, relieve your pains and restrictions, and answer your questions. Along with expert guests, our goal of the Optimal Body Podcast is to help you discover what optimal means within your own body. Let's dive in. Before we jump into the PT Pearl, I'm going to read off another listener review. So this is for a free month of the Optimal Body Program, and it's from Amy CNRN titled, So Much Goodness. Just listened to episode nine with Steffi. I'm currently dealing with a shoulder injury and have been very affected mentally by this as I'm usually doing strength training and obstacle course races, but I've hardly been exercising out of fear. PT did nothing for me, but hearing all of this reminded me the power of our bodies to heal. I'm in love with the mobility method. I'm in my 40s, and mobility is becoming more and more important to me. Love you guys. A huge thank you. Oh my gosh. That just makes us both smile because that's one of the things we want to do here, help empower people back into their bodies and understand that we have the ability to explore the way we feel optimize the way we move, and get back to the things that mean so much to us in life. So Amy, CN, RN, um, I don't think we got an email from you. So if you want to email at jen at docgenfit.com, we will get you a free month of the Optimal Body program. And if you're out there listening and want to leave us a review, let us know what you loved and let us know what you want to know in future PT Pearls. And we will be giving away a free month of the Optimal Body program in future weeks. Welcome back, guys. We are so excited to have another PT Pearl on patella femoral syndrome. Mm, patella femoral pain. Yeah. So, traditionally speaking, if we're looking at what that means, because those are both <laughs> words that are very clinical. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we're talking about the patella, that is the kneecap. So, think of the kneecap when we say patella and then when we say femoral that is the femur bone so that is the 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 thigh bone you can say biggest bone in the body exactly and your kneecap actually glides in that femur bone at the very end so that's why when we're talking about patella femoral it's just how that kneecap is gliding in that um, femur bone and the fact that there's pain there Exactly. And the so fact that there's symptoms there. So we have just described that you have pain in the area of your patella and femur. Exactly. And so if you <laughs> if you think about that, um, now it's very common, right? Because the kneecap is on the front. So anything that's dealing with the front of the knee, we're usually talking about patellofemoral syndrome. So it's traditionally presented as some people call it jumper's knee, mm-hmm. um, pain when you're going up and particularly down stairs, mm-hmm. uh, crunching when you're in pain, crunching and pain, I should mm-hmm. say, when you're squatting and lunging, uh, feeling like... Because I get crunching when I squat sometimes. Right, but you don't have pain. <laughs> but no pain. Um, and when you're sitting at a desk for a long period of time or sitting in general and you feel that need to need to extend the leg, those are some common symptoms that we usually address when we're talking about patellofemoral syndrome. So if that's sounding like you or someone you know, stay tuned. Absolutely. And 
patellofemoral pain, it kind of presents right around, a lot of the times, the bottom part of that kneecap, which is that jumper's knee that you mm-hmm. mentioned. And really what we want to dive into now is, okay, great, there's pain there. Why? Mm-hmm. And what do people tend to say we should do with patellofemoral pain? And on the other hand, what are some other ways that we can approach it to help people really find the thing within their body that might be causing them to put extra pressure through that knee? Because a lot of the times patellofemoral pain isn't isn't diagnosed as patellofemoral pain until we've ruled a lot of other things out. A lot of other things that could be more serious, um, like different meniscal injuries or tendinous injuries around the knee. And they say, okay, you know, we're making sure that this is nothing more serious. Looks like patellofemoral pain. Mm -hmm. And then the trouble a lot of people get in is like, okay, good. Now what? Mm Because I still have pain when I do my, when I go play basketball and when I rest, great. I, I don't have any pain anymore, but then I get back into my activity and it rears its head and flares up again. So I, I, a lot of people that I've worked with, their first <laughs> recommendation they get from a doctor or orthopedist will be like, oh, go home and rest. Mm-hmm. And then you can restart your activity and gradually gauge into it once the pain goes away. Great. You know, that's kind of like <laughs> just slapping a little tape over a leaky faucet and waiting for it to then pour out again once we put too much water in the bucket. Exactly. Like if we're just telling people to modify movement, well, what what about getting to the actual goals? Like, but I want to walk downstairs with no pain. Yeah. I want to play basketball yeah. or whatever it may be. So we have to understand deeper where what's happening and we need to actually create better thought processes even with the exercises that we do. Because I think traditionally speaking, when we think of knee pain, what do I do for my knee? right? How do I strengthen my knee? Mm -hmm. And that's where you might see exercises like squeezing a ball and doing bridges or squeezing a ball and doing leg extensions and, Mm -hmm. and things that really might help in that moment for those little areas, but that doesn't necessarily translate into standing and walking and stairs. And, you know, and so we have to just get away from this idea of, oh, knee pain, let me just do my clams. Knee pain, let me just do my ball squeezes. Mm -hmm. And we're going to take you into what we believe are the foundations and then how to properly progress into that. So, you know, before we do all these PT pearls, we we like to dig into the research a little bit and we like to kind of dip our toes in and see what some of these studies have said, especially studies done on a lot of people. And some of the things that we found in those studies were that, okay, the groups that have patellofemoral pain tend to have a lot weaker quad muscle, right? Or this muscle on the front of the leg that helps extend our knee. They've also, a couple of the studies also said, okay, it seems like they have reduced hip activation on the outside, which is our glute med, or that muscle out there. So we have reduced glute med activation. Great. Or, okay, people who focused on an active rehabilitation program and did a lot of core strengthening and hip strengthening saw improvement. Great. Um, So we, from these studies, start to take these little tidbits. That same study also said a lot more research is done because there's inconclusive data in which exercise is best Mm -hmm. for this. Again, because depending on the person you're looking at, we're going to have a lot of different variables that are specific to that person. So that's again where Jen's talking about this foundational approach. It's never one or the other. It's It's this and you specifically have some limitations here. And so that's where Jen and I kind of like to take this foundational and this core-based approach 
to help look all the way up and down the chain as to why, again, we're putting pressure through that knee. Right, exactly. And again, why it's so important that this is why we do the podcast. There's no one size fits all. And even the studies can show that, right? There is no one perfect exercise, one perfect program. And even if we're talking about this generalized strengthening as to where we need to work, which obviously it's your knee, so your hip that's above it, your core and your and your quad that actually works the knee. Great. But we're, we're missing the foundation. Like why were those becoming weaker in the first place? Why were they not activating in the first place? And that's where um, Dom and I go to breath work for a lot of people in the very beginning. Because when we talk about breath work, we're not just talking about um, the breath. I mean, obviously, yes, how you breathe, where you're breathing from, all of that. But when we actually get that diaphragm to expand and work better and become stronger and we get that lower rib cage area to kind of expand in that 360 pattern, what we're also doing is we're kind of filling up that whole inner core area. So think of the inner core being the diaphragm at the top, the pelvic floor at the bottom, the transverse abdominis, so that um, one of your corset muscles, you can say the deep inner core kind of wrapping to the back and then the multifidi, which are just deep back muscles again. So if we think about this inner type core and I start to breathe and use my diaphragm better, I also help to put even out the pressures on that pelvic floor, the transverse abdomen, the front and back of my core and the bottom and the top, right? And when I start to do that, I have this more elastic feel to everything that when I stretch something, what happens? It contracts and it comes back. So if I can get my diaphragm and my pelvic floor, my front and the back of the core to all expand and then be able to better contract, then I'm creating this stable base. So then I can start to say, okay, now how do I activate around the hips? Now, how do I activate down the chain? But if we don't have that stable elasticity for contraction and we're just building on the outside, we're missing a whole component. Preach. Preach. <laughs> no, I um, you know, I resonate with that in my own journey and in a lot of the ways that I treat people and you, you know, finally said the word, it's it's that stable base. I mean, you you were saying we have this dynamic flow, but it's stable as it's moving. And our core always needs to move with our breath. And what people don't understand is that sometimes when we stand up, we just completely lose consciousness of what that core is doing. And then our body needs to find that stability elsewhere because it's, hey, if we're not going to be stable in our foundation that all of our amazing levers move on when we try to walk and we try to reach for things and when we try to squat, if we're not stable here and we're finding all this mobility in our core that's aberrant or not normal, (laughs) then what's going to be happening down the chain through Mm -hmm. our hips and our knees? And when we tend to move a lot through our core, what tends to happen through our hips? Mm-hmm. We get a little more tight. Yes. And that tightness might come through certain muscles for different people, of course. Mm-hmm. But that's where as soon as then we start affecting the hips, what's going to happen down into the knees? It's going to take on a lot more pressure. Yes. And so that's why it doesn't become just a stair climbing thing. It doesn't just become, you know, how you're squatting in the biomechanics. It doesn't just become the impairments of the weaknesses that we're finding on the hips, but it becomes way more. And I think a lot of the, the other thing that I really liked about one of the studies is that they looked at gait 
and oh, how yeah. when you improved the gait, you actually improved the decrease of symptoms in patellofemoral syndrome. And this is because, again, I talk about this all the time, but our feet are foundation. And if mm. we're forgetting about our foundation, then we're missing a huge component of what's actually happening as we go up the chain. We walk on our feet. We stand on our feet. If we don't have strong and mobile <laughs> feet that can take the different pressures, Think of where it's going to lead up the chain. Yeah. And so, again, why we can't just look at the hip and the quad and the core, but we also have to look at the feet. One of my favorite exercises to exercises with big air quotes around it is to tell people just to walk consciously. Yeah. And it's funny when you start talking to people about this and, and they say, oh, yeah, my feet have always pointed that way. It's like, okay, well, let's start to consciously walk and explore why and explore mm -hmm. other areas in your body that are doing certain things that may have promoted or um, enhanced that tendency to walk with your feet in a certain direction. So conscious walking and this study pointed it out that when they just educated and gave some tips on how to walk a little more efficiently to people, knee pain cleared up. Yeah. And that was nothing specifically focused on the knee. It was only focused on this gait education or education in walking basically. Right. And it's funny in today's society when we tend to not need to walk as much or we tend to spend p time and seated positions or different positions when we get up and walking that's actually something we're doing for a minority of our day <laughs> so if we're not conscious as to how we're doing it we can really develop some patterns that then will affect us i mean foot knee ankle all throughout but also can contribute to different patellofemoral uh, symptoms Totally. And if we just break down the basics of what we need, because obviously you're like, okay, I'm walking, but how am I walking? So here's how we could just break it down very simply. You need toe extension. You need toe extension. Mm -hmm. If you don't have big toe extension, as you do and go into that gait pattern, if that toe doesn't extend very well, you're going to end up rotating that foot and it's going to end up coming a different way. So this is where increased pronation can come from. Bunions, that that uh, helix valgus. Yeah, helix right? valgus. Thank you. Classic. Sometimes because I, I try not to talk clinically, it kind of <laughs> leaves me. But um, kind of like that big toe starting to shift in, right? And you're noticing a bigger bunion. Well, the body gets used to how to program that way over and over again. So this is why it's important to wear those toe spreaders or socks like we, Dom and I show mm -hmm. on Instagram stories a lot. Um, walking over the big toe, getting that big toe extension, and then having the flexibility to be able to pronate and supinate. Just mm. because you're in more pronation doesn't mean that you need to neglect pronation. We also still need it and we still need supination. We just, there's, there's a balance that gets to, we get to appreciate a little bit more rather than, oh, I'm too much of this. I need to now hammer into this. It's, it's yeah. finding the balance within that foot. And then when we start to play into you know, how can my foot kind of feel, rock back and forth? Can Do I even know how to access more pronation where I'm getting a m more flat foot? Do I know how to access more supination? You could just play with this like even your feet just on the floor. I'm doing it right now. Exactly. And my own feet, and this is where I put a lot of pressure through the insides of my knees. I have had injuries on the inside compartments of both my knees, more meniscal injuries than patellofemoral. 
I have felt some patellofemoral symptoms when I've gone on long runs and my body hasn't been ready for it and stuff. And it's because I am limited a little bit in my ankle and foot mobility. Mm -hmm. And that's where I, you're supposed to have about 60 degrees of toe extension. I have about 90 or more. And especially if you, all the specifics and I I go crazy when I look at my own feet because my PT mind starts going wild. But that up through the chain being more supinated in my feet and more rigid, I can't feel comfortable accessing that pronation as much because my feet are just so tense and scared to let myself relax into the ground. And that's where it causes how I act through the knee and puts a little more pressure through the inside of my compartment. And again, that's just my own example as to where I get to focus a lot on what my feet are doing and understand how that's impacting my knees before I go run three miles again. Exactly. So just start to become aware. Look at your feet. <laughs> Pay attention to your feet. Um, again, I have so much on the feet. If you just take a scroll through Instagram at DocGenFit, like I promise you, take a scroll. There's so much within that um, that I've addressed the feet a lot because it's our foundation and it's something mm-hmm. to come back to over and over again. It doesn't have to be too complicated either. Um, and then the last little thing that I wanted to point out myself as well. It just like you said, yours kind of starts at your feet. Mine kind of starts actually more so at my hips where I have noticed myself. So I have like squinting patella, meaning that my knee caps go in toward each other and they kind of lift. So they don't track straight. They don't, if, even if my leg is just passively straight out and I just extend it out, my kneecap itself will kind of tilt Okay, and you can feel one side more than the other. And we use tape to cover the to fix this. We mm-hmm. we call it tracking issues. We call it a lot of things. Um, and the reality is, I get I do get a little bit more femoral internal rotation. My hips are, you know, it, it just there's a lot that comes with that. Especially as a woman, as a woman, we usually have wider hips, mm-hmm. narrow Compared set the, knees. Yep. Yeah, and so, but now I said all that, right? I don't have pain. Can I notice it sometimes if I don't properly open up my hips and warm up my hips and warm up my feet and ankles? Totally. I do put a lot more pressure on my knees and sometimes I get a little like, ooh, little ping of a reminder to take care of myself. But in general, I don't feel pain and I do crazy hip workouts and I do crazy things and that's why we can't can't just look at this malalignment and Mm -hmm. say this is key but it does play a role into, okay, how can I start to address my hips more? Mm-hmm. Or for Dom, how can I start to address my feet more? And that's where there's differences in how it responds to different places. Yeah. And I mean, so based on what you're well, there was a study actually, another one, you mentioned taping. Yes. And um, I, it was a quick study that they looked at five different studies and kind of compiled all of them. And they just said in four of the studies between the groups, there, there was no significant difference in pain levels and stuff between those that had tape on them uh, or that got the taping condition. And that just kind of says like, okay, in this study, there was no significant difference. However, I have so many people that I've worked with or have come into my office who have said, oh man, when I got that tape on there, it just felt so secure and stable. And I just, I haven't had anything that's helped me improve that much. So does that mean that I'm going to try tearing down their belief that that tape worked for them? No, I'm probably going to put some tape on their knee just to help facilitate their ability to feel comfortable doing some different things and feeling some different things at the hips 
at the ankles, at the feet, mm -hmm. right? So although the research may not say, hey, this doesn't significantly change a large population, I look at individuals in my clinic. I'm never treating a thousand people at once. So I always look at the individual and if they say Tate works for them, I believe them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> exactly. So we're not saying anything's bad. We're saying, again, check your foundation. Check your feet. How are your big toe? How are your feet moving? Check your ankles because that directly plays a role up the mm -hmm. chain, especially when we're talking mm -hmm. about squats and lunges and stuff like that. Check your hips. Don't forget about mobility as well as strength. This is something I talk about all the time. If if the area is above and below that should be mobile, which our hips are an access point, our ankles need to be mobile, our big toe needs to be mobile. If these points are not moving well, what's going to take on a lot of pressure? The knee. Mm. So we have to, I mean, there's, I had a girlfriend too one time when I was like treating her very briefly and she did, um, or just sitting crisscross applesauce and she put her leg in. She said, I have trouble getting into, you know, this, this hip getting into this position and my knee kind of hurts on the same side. It's so crazy. It's on the same side. And I said, is it though? Is it crazy or is it related? Yeah. I think you get a lot of people in the clinic that are just like, yeah, left ankle, left hip, you know, left low, low back on the left side more so. It's generally a chain or a pattern through our tissues and how we move that is causing these symptoms or that is the whole underlying reason. So if you have this knee pain, try not to just blame the knee for being yeah. the culprit and do a little bit of this investigation. And you'll be surprised if you just start finding that awareness how much you can yourself impact those symptoms on a consistent day and not feel like you need to go in to see somebody or you need to get something on that knee or to fix that symptom, right? right? We exactly. always are looking for those underlying leaky faucets that we can really fix from the source. Yeah. And this isn't to say that don't do clams, don't do, you know, bridges with ball. No, it's still important, but just come back to a foundation underneath that first, okay? Mm -hmm. Address the areas above and below first, and then you can start to build strength around it, and then always work with someone that's gonna progress you back into your goals. That's the main thing. All right, before we hop into this interview with my girl, you guys gotta know that she is the one who introduced Dom and I to Vivo Barefoot Shoes. We wouldn't even be wearing them if we didn't have the awareness from her, and she wears them all the time, and I gotta tell you, her feet are incredible. And in about the year that I've been wearing these shoes, it is amazing the access it's given me to my feet and the things it's unlocked in the way my feet and toes move. So we went out and we got a code for you using code OPTIMAL. You'll get 15% off any of the pairs of shoes that you want to try out. And also right now, Vivo Barefoot is giving you a 100-day free trial on those shoes to really dive in and see the way that it helps you access your feet. So go find a pair of shoes and free those feet. We've had a code change, so make sure you use code T-O-B so that you get 15% off. That is T-O-B, like the Optimal Body Podcast. All right, and we have Venus Lau coming on the podcast. This is our good friend, Venus to be fab on the gram or venusfit.com. She's the creator of a strength and flow online workout program. She also has an app for her program. And Honestly, every certification under the sun, basically, from teaching animal flow to kettlebells to strength training to 
breathwork courses and FRC and everything. Like she's very knowledgeable. She's taken so many different courses from so many different people and has a lot of knowledge to share. So I'm excited to have her on. Yeah, having this interview with her was so amazing because she just gave actionable takeaway after actionable takeaway. So can't wait to dive in. Welcome, Venus. We are so blessed to have you. One, have you in my life because you're Mm -hmm. an incredible friend. But two, just to be able to drop some wisdom for some people because you are extremely knowledgeable, not only in how you teach and what you teach, but how you move your own body. It's pretty incredible. Seriously, one of the more inspiring. Thank you so much. I appreciate you guys having me on the show. I'm, I think the same of both of you two. Thank you. Yeah, seriously. Like you are one person who went every time I see videos of you moving and like the different drills you do, I'm like, okay, great. I'll go work on like my ankle mobility for like three years and then I'll, and then I'll try to do that one. (laughs) But it's so inspiring to me to see the way that you move and just your story of how you've gotten there. And we really want to dive into that and have you share a bit about your movement journey. Yeah. Yeah. Well, whatever I can to, to help your, audience and whatever you want to ask you know there are no barriers you are it's all i'm all game for any question I've learned that about you <laughs> so first of all i like to just say venus to be fab just in case anyone wants to look you up right now before we even dive into the podcast but really I think what is initially so incredible about you, because they, you know, you guys go take a look, go just scroll through her page, look at her videos, Venus to be fab. And what is usually the perception is like, oh my God, she can move so well. She does this animal flow stuff. She could do handstands. Like, yeah, but it's easy for her because she's young and she's fit and she's healthy. And like, that's easy. Initially, I want to start to like kind of break down those perceptions by even just introducing how old you are (laughs) and and then really like when did you even start to get into this whole fitness journey like when did that become a thing in your life well for those of you who cannot see my face right now if you want to venus to be fab on the instagram i'm actually 125 years old and (laughs) Um, (laughs) a lot of people are going to be clamoring your page i'm a lot older than people think i'm 40 years old. I will be turning 41 this year. And I, yes, was an athlete for most of my life, but I would not say that I was graceful. I would not say that I truly understood how to do power, except in the specific sports that I had done. And I would not say I was the most mobile either. (laughs) So my fitness journey started when I was in my late 20s. Now, I, again, I was an athlete my entire life, but I would say I was a very rigid athlete. Strength was more of my skill. But uh, like I said, gracefulness, coordination, mobility, flexibility, none of that was in my wheelhouse until I hit my 30s. And what were your main sports when you were like an athlete growing up? Yeah, so I was a swimmer. I was a golfer. And I played other sports as well, like soccer and tennis and in a lot of the sports that, you know, you usually play in like junior high, a little bit of high school, but golf and swimming were really my main two sports growing up. And I ended up playing division one golf for Baylor University. And 
for those of you who don't play golf very often, it's a very one-sided sport. And I'm right-handed, so I'm swinging right to left all day long. And you're, the power is just going right side to left side. There's no left side to right side. <laughs> and so I was very imbalanced. I had a lot of back issues. I had knee issues. I had elbow issues. I had neck issues. I had a lot of different issues. And I always had shoulder and back pain, especially in my 20s. So when I became a trainer, I, funny thing, funny enough, I did not think I was going to be a trainer for very long. I moved to LA to be a comedy writer. So that's a whole nother part of my life. But I thought, okay, I'll just do this whole fitness training thing. I was a D1 athlete. I got this. Well, I was extremely humbled. And luckily, my first job was at Equinox. And being at Equinox, they're really good at getting their trainers to con do continue education. And that's where I really fell in love with being a trainer in the in the whole fitness journey is when I did continue education and I started to learn more about the body that even my former D1 athlete brain thought I knew everything, which I clearly didn't looking back. And, and doing all that continued education helped me understand my body on a much deeper level and helped me heal a lot of the things that you know, you go to a doctor and they tell you, oh, you know, you just, that's just the way you are. You know, oh, you, you, you played golf for a long time. Well, yeah, you're going to have back issues for the rest of your life. So that's kind of like the short version of how it got all started. Well, what was kind of some of those continuing education courses that were the most impactful that really started to open your mind? You know, it honestly, I was a culmination of all of them, but I would say that animal flow is a huge part of my fitness journey. And that's probably what I'm most known for. That as well as yoga. I'm also a yoga certified instructor. I did not get that through Equinox. It was a different <laughs> educational course. But those two combinations and also I took FRC, functional range conditioning and primal movement chains with Dr. Perry Nicholson rock tape courses, you know, kettlebell courses. I've taken three different types of kettlebell courses. And each one of them teach me so much more about the body. I would not say that one is better than the other. And I think that young trainers or trainers who are really young in their profession, they'll they'll take a course and they'll be like, oh, this is this is the thing. I'm preaching this. Like they get really stuck in hard edged into specific systems. That's not necessarily a bad thing, but it, it is very rigid thinking. And I think that's really important now that we need to think outside the box. Yes. So glad that you said that because that is our whole concept here with the optimal body is that there's no one optimal way. And I love mm -hmm. that you went into being a trainer and then opened your mindset to learning a lot of different things. Like you just named so many different things. Yeah, like I love that you're a former college athlete because, you know, as a physical therapist or, you know, Jen and I, we work with athletes all the time and they come in and they're these just elite people and movers and they have such power. And a lot of the times they have a lot of blind spots. And mm -hmm. like you said, I, I mean, me, myself, I was a college athlete as well, but just like you, a very rigid mover. And I love how you're just so open 
to learning. And again, that's why I feel so fortunate to be around people like you and just be like, great, I can have V lead us through these animal flow, you know, amazing routines that help me open places up in my body. So one of my questions, and you kind of alluded to this whole not having one method or not having one way. And I love that that's your mindset. And you keep saying, you know, all these courses have been great and they've just continued to help me funnel it into my way of understanding how we move. So how have you kind of taken, you know, you said you gravitated towards animal flow, but how have you kind of taken everything else and combined it into your, your own method? Well, I guess like the, the simplest way I could describe it, like maybe on a visual level for people listening, you know, a lot of people are now seeing uh, combined movements. So let's say someone has a kettlebell in their hand and they're doing a kettlebell clean and then they get on all fours and do a kettlebell clean to like a, it's called a tripod press when you press it overhead. That's a combination of some traditional kettlebell moves mixed with animal flow, yoga, primal developmental movement where it's like that swirl. It's that blend of different things. And I, and that's what I mean by when I think it's important to think out of the box by taking the tools that you have in the box and combining them because that really is what true athletic movement is. And I think that when it comes to, you know, what you guys do optimal body, like how can you optimize your body? It doesn't mean you do the same pattern over and over again. The reason why our spine has so many vertebrae and can whip around like a snake is because we are meant to move our spine at every single one of those angles. So you kind of brought up the optimal body and things you can do to explore. Got any, got any quick tips for anybody? Any things people can try right now that you can kind of explain? Sure. I think first we're talking about the spine, spinal rolls, you know, not only are they great for the dance floor, but (laughs) they're really fun to do and they feel really (laughs) yummy. And, you know, the spine is that super highway of information, you know, from our brain to the rest of our body. So it's really important that we give it love. You know, it's, it's not just about the flower. It's about the stem. A really, <laughs> a really easy way. Write it and, down, you know, everyone. If you're at home right now, what you could do is, is you could use the wall to help you find your spinal roll. And what I mean by that is if you start from your tailbone and you think, Visualize each one of your vertebrae and you're just going to have one vertebrae touch the wall at a time like it's a domino effect and you will find yourself going into a spinal wave. Now, it's probably a little harder to hear that cue without seeing it, but if you've seen any of Jen's videos where she she does incredible spinal waves and more even impressively you can do a, you can do uh, spinal waves while you're in a handstand <laughs> <laughs> rough ones but yeah, yeah. i try <laughs> no spinal waves are like the butter or the vegan butter for the back and i was literally just doing some in my car I'm, i've picked up doing them in my car while i'm sitting in it so <laughs> love it and we'll link up some some good videos to spinal rolls for people But what I want to know for spinal rolls that you kind of dive into, like you alluded that you had back pain. What what I think comes a lot with back pain is the fear of movement. Like, let me find neutral spine. Let me just strengthen. Let me not move anymore. And I've even heard physical therapists who were like, well, 
even myself, I got into back pain and I was afraid to bend down and touch my and and tie my shoelaces because I've been mm-hmm. told stay in neutral spine. So mm-hmm. how do you go from having spinal pain to now do spinal rolls? So I would say do it on the ground. Everything is always safer on the ground. That's where you go into traditional yoga movement like cat cows, you know, or if you're just laying on your back on the floor, just doing some lateral flexion. So what that means is I would tilt, if I was laying down flat on the ground, I would pull my left shoulder to my left hip and allow my head and my feet to to reach towards each other. And just doing those nice, simple movements on the ground, because also we have to take into account our brain, as you both know, that if we think pain is there, our body is going to tighten. And then that's where we will take it back a notch and go into breath work because we have to train the nervous system and the brain to let go of fear if we want to introduce new movement. Yes. So how did you start doing that though? Going from having back pain into introducing your body to these different movements? You know, I I did it literally just like I explained. Great. <laughs> when I was younger, I tried to force myself and all it did was make my back pain worse and my shoulder worse and my neck tighter. And uh, I was introduced to yoga and animal flow. And from there, I started taking more breath work courses as well. And, you know, I've, I, it's my fitness journey has really been backwards. I started with lifting weights and doing sports. Then I started being like, oh, maybe flexibility is important. Then I started doing HIIT training. Then I started doing bodyweight training, yoga, breath work, meditation. And I learned those, I think, in reverse order of how people actually should be learning. I think that meditation and breath work and active mobility are the first three steps if you want to gain total control of your body and be strong at every angle. Because if you don't have your insides right, your mindset, you know, being able to control fear and your nervous system reactions, you're not going to get the results you want. And that's not just on stress management. I think that's also with, if you want to, you know, gain more muscle, get stronger, get leaner and feel more connected. Yeah, no, I love absolutely everything you said right there. I think you brought up some things to me that hint at like the primal nature of learning movement and Hey, we learn how to breathe. We learn how to crawl. We start to stand up, (laughs) stumble around a little bit. Just the way that animals and stuff in nature move and learn how to move, it it all comes from that foundation of of breath and and controlling from the center. And you brought up strong at every angle. And I know that that's a term that you use. And I love that term because it reflects a lot of different principles, you know, both in physical therapy practice or FRC or different concepts like that. So I want you to talk a little bit about strong at every angle and what that means to you. Strong in every angle, what that means to me is I don't need to be a Sherlock Holmes and try to figure out if my knee hurts because of my back or does my back hurt because of my shoulder or does that hurt because of this weird habit that I do. I think it's just important to be like, okay, well, where am I not strong? What can I get stronger in? And then how can I explore those movements at a variety of angles? And the the best way I can describe this is a lot of people will say, oh, you know, I I hurt my back. I don't even know how I like dropped my keys on the floor. And all I did was bend over to pick them up. Mm. And, Mm. and I just, oh, I was at this weird angle and now my back hurts. 
and they blame being at that weird angle. But the, and then we go to the gym and our trainer tells us, oh, stay in neutral spine. If you rotate, make sure that you rotate in neutral spine. It's all neutral spine. But in real life, we don't bend over to pick our keys up in neutral spine. And honestly, our back is not made to stay in neutral spine. It's not made to feel like it's in a cast of neutral spine permanently. You know, our spine does a lot of amazing things of rotating and and bending in all these different angles. So we should train in all those different angles. So when you do decide to pick up your keys again, or your kid, or a box, or you randomly have to reach in the back seat to, to pull a jacket out, you're not going to hurt yourself in those simple everyday movements. Amen. So, yeah. <laughs> like just, just get strong at every angle. You don't have to become a Sherlock Holmes and go see the doctor. You, you've doctored yourself by becoming stronger everywhere. So there's, there's no issues. Oh my gosh. Yes. You are speaking our language when you say, when you're preaching that and telling people. So I'm so like, I mean, obviously one of the reasons we're great friends and we can talk through different things and do twerking beasts together and <laughs> all of those other things. But how does someone even start to begin that journey of, okay, well, I get strength at every angle, but really I only understand hip hinge right now and lifting in a neutral spine. And so how do I even start to explore strong at every angle? I always say, put the training wheels on. And what that means is, is do the modifications, become very humble, be a beginner again, you know, enroll in your program, like optimal body or enroll in my program, you know, strength and flow yeah. where there, or, or get a trainer that who understands this stuff where they really, really get primal movement. And what I mean by that is look at a baby crawling on the floor. You know, it's what Dom was saying earlier, the first movements we learn as a baby is we first learn how to breathe. Then we start to learn how to creep and crawl and roll on the floor. And then finally we learn how to walk. And it, it sounds, it sounds super nerdy sciencey, but it really is the truth. I've had to retrain some of my clients, some who were athletes, how to walk. And you know, we do it in different forms, obviously, but to let's just be more specific. You ask me, okay, someone who is already doing a hip hinge and they're doing a neutral spine. I think the simplest thing they can start to do is try that hip hinge slightly differently. Go a little bit wider with your mm. stance. Go a little bit narrow with their stance. Mm -hmm. Go staggered stance. Do it with a kickstand where the one of the heels is super high. Do it with weight that is light at first and and try to see if you can curve your spine slightly but safely obviously again use a really light light lightweight and then try to do it extended and then lateral it's it's just moving at every angle i mean some of the best movers in the world are dancers and you know we all watch so you think and can dance and shows like that because our eyes are drawn to how beautiful these people move. And it's because they are doing all those movements. They are exploring at every single angle. And so, you know, if you are the person who loves their HIIT training classes, you don't have to stop doing them, but try to explore it in a different way. Maybe put a little bit more weight in the balls of your feet if you usually put it in the heels. If you usually put it in the heels, put it in the balls of your feet. 
You know, if you usually do a push-up with the standard push-up way, try going with one arm up, one arm down, and allowing your spine to rotate a little bit as you go into those things. There's no such thing as wrong movement if you're doing it purposefully. Yeah, that's big time. And I think that there were some real cool pearls in there that I could play over and over again because especially, you know, being an athlete, I would always look at people who would get injured and be like, you know, why did they get injured? You watch these videos of people, you know, I was a football player. So you watch football athletes make cuts and their knees are way out of position. And they, and it's like from a physical therapist standpoint, it's like, oh, that's just an injury waiting to happen. But why do some people injure in those positions and others run whole careers like that and not? And for me, it's because exactly what you brought it to. They train themselves in very variable conditions and they're constantly training that nervous system to be be ready to react and control when it's stretched to the limit. And so it is a product of what, you know, what training we type do, what training, what type of training we do and how consistently we preach that into our system. So I love all of what you just said. That was amazing. Thanks. Yeah. It's adaptability. The more adaptable you are, the easier that tasks become, you know, and I know that you guys were also athletes, you know, the ones, the athletes that can do the most variety, those are usually the star players. <laughs> Just short with that, like all the specialization these days, like every elite level team, all the athletes played all of the sports and did all the things growing up. So, so important. I think they did a study on, I think, guys that get drafted to the NFL. Yeah. And that I think they said that they, on average, they had like competitively played three different sports. Totally. So it just shows how like to be in an, at that elite level, you, you have to be adaptable. Yeah, that's a great point. I think one of my favorite things about your page also is being able to look at your stories and see who you're training and what you're doing with them. Because I think a lot of what some of the resistance would be, well, I can't, I'm too old to do this now. I'm too old to start training these different kinds of positions. I'm too old to start getting down on the floor and learning animal flow. Can you speak into that? Because, and talk about what, like, what kind of clients you've been taking on and how old they are? I have had every, every single age you can possibly think of. And, you know, for those of you out there who are scared and they're like, oh, no, that's, that's weird. It's, I don't think my body could do that anymore. I'm telling you, it can. I, some of my best clients are in their 60s and 70s where I started with them at that age. And it was simply because they literally let themselves be humble. And they're like, yeah, I zero idea of what I'm doing. So I'm just going to trust what this program is. And really allowing yourself to be a, a beginner again. And one of my clients, you know, she's 66 years old. She'll be 67 this year. And she does handstands. She does skin the cats on rings and pull-ups. She does animal flow. She, she goes to yoga. I mean, she's incredible to train and she loves training. And we train for an hour and a half every time because she's like, hey, I'm 66 years old. I know it takes my body about 30 minutes just to be ready to like really get into it. And so we, we start with doing breath work and mobility. And then once we start that going, then the tissues are nice and prepped. We get into the workouts. And I'm telling you, like, 
she's still doing her handstand journey and she's in her sixties. So, you know, it, it is very possible. And then for those of you who are like, Oh, I bet she was athletic. Okay. Here's a better example. I have another client that I used to train who she was, she both of her legs got severed off at the shin in a car accident. And she had, she was bedridden for almost a whole year. She had over 16 different surgeries, pins and rods put in her legs. And she had to relearn how to walk again. After she went through some physical therapy, she hit me up and she said, Hey, Venus, one of my friends who had hip surgery said that you really helped her. Would you help train me? And I was like, Hey, <laughs> I'm not a doctor. I'm not a physical therapist, like you, you should keep going to your physical therapist. And she was like, I'm going to keep going to my physical therapist, but I really want a trainer to train me how to get strong. And I was like, okay, I, I don't know how to deal with that, but I will do the best that I can. And she actually made me a much better trainer dealing with a, a client who had to have her legs put back on her body. That's it's, it was pretty incredible. And after training with me for a couple of years, she was doing animal flow, but yeah. it, it was a long journey. And so for those of you who really think you can't do it, you can. It's, it's just a matter of just deciding, okay, this is where I start and being humble enough to do things like crawling on the ground and learning how to roll and doing the breath work and then start applying all those other things when it comes to fitness because I promise you, your results are going to be 10 times better. Oh my goodness. Yes. <laughs> that was such a beautiful story in term and like, and beyond just like those two people, you're training groups of older people. You're making them do crazy things, <laughs> which yeah. look crazy to other people, but it's like functional and rotating and getting on the ground and lifting kettlebells and it's it's so beautiful what you show people is possible in the body and the way that you train people I think is so beautiful Venus like oh thank you you truly do make people strong at every angle which brings them resiliency within their body it brings them longevity in their health journey and allows them to not even have these pain experiences as often as they might. I mean, yeah, pain is going to be a part of the journey and it's part of our body. But if we start to build resiliency, you know, we really start to take that back into our own hands and decrease those experiences. And you're really helping people with that. So it's so beautiful. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. You are too. I mean, the stuff that you do is incredible. And I'm always learning from your posts. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Building that resiliency and making adaptable people. One of the things I love to say is that as humans, we are adaptable machines and we adapt to the consistent environment that we put ourselves in. And you truly are helping people become adaptable to survive this crazy world even <laughs> later in their lives and continuing to create resiliency later in life, which is things that, like you said earlier in our interview, doctors sometimes just say, oh, this is how it's going to be. Right, and that's they do. a really yeah. hard thing for us to hear as other providers of information and trainers and providers to hear that somebody has had that told to them and they believed it. And so right. I encourage everybody listening to, you know, look up Venus, look up any, anyone else who's putting out amazing information like this to start your journey and to continue optimizing your body. We appreciate so, so, so much having you on here. Where else can people find a little bit more about 
you and any anything else, any of the other amazing things that you're putting out into the universe? My website is venusfit.com. Uh, my subscription is venusfit.vhx.tv. And my subscription, there's a two-week free trial and there's 50% off their first month. So that first six weeks that they're with me right now is is so, it's just, it's literally like pennies. It's, it's like nothing. And Seriously. I'm putting out new content every single week. I'm about to put out a four-week program and I'm going to put my beginner program for free access to all my subscribers on wow. there. So it, there's just a, a ton of information for people who want to start moving in those ways and then eventually building up to the point where they're flowing, where they're mixing kettlebells and dumbbells with their flows. And it's truly about skill building. And I, and that's, I, I think another thing, you know, that people are, are forgetting, it's not just about a workout. It's how can I make this a transferable skill? That, that goes beyond just, you know, the aesthetics it goes beyond just like the fitness journey itself and can, you know, bleed into your day, your, the rest of your 24 hours. Yes. I love this. And seriously, you're making it so accessible for people. So no matter where you are, you can do it at home. Just start to learn about your body, get into Venus's app and start to move. I think yeah. it's so, so important. So Thank you, V, for, or Venus, I call her V, uh, <laughs> for coming on and dropping your amazing, incredible wisdom for people. This was such a beautiful story. And I really hope that people listen, share it, and take it in and explore because there's so much that our bodies can do. Yeah, a, a thousand percent. We are so adaptable. Keep believing in yourself. If you guys have any questions, feel free to DM me on any of the social media. I'm Venus2BFab on Instagram. And Jen, you you and Dom are amazing. Also, I just want to say you guys are like couple goals, like the best. <laughs> the, seriously, anyone listening here, they really are that amazing in real life. <laughs> and I just want to commend you too, because I feel super blessed to have you two as friends. And you both are huge role models for a lot of people, including myself. So thank you so much. Thank you, Kate. That means a lot. Yeah, you're going to make him cry over here. Doesn't take Aww. much. Doesn't take much. <laughs> All right. Well, guys, go look her up. Venus, we appreciate you. And we'll talk to you soon. All right. Love you guys. Thank you so much for listening to us on the Optimal Body Podcast, where we're going to continue to bring you the PT pearls and guests that will help you find your optimal body. Now, head over to wherever you listen to this and leave us an honest review and head to docgenfit.com backslash podcast where you can find all the show notes. Don't forget that we're going to give away a free month to someone who subscribes, leaves us an awesome review, and lets us know what they want to review on the next PT Pearl. So we'll be choosing that once a week to get into a free month of the Optimal Body Membership.